Hi, this is Cameron. And I'm Jorge Luis. And today we have two more students from Swanee and part of the Posse program. They have an incredible perspective to share with us, and let's start now. Hopecast. Learning about the life and mission of education equals hope. Welcome to the Education Was Hope Hopecast. I'm Cameron Graham Vivanco. And I am Jorge Luis Rodriguez. I'm the co-founder of Equals H and the director of the program here in Ecuador. And I am the coordinator of teams and training for Equals H in Ecuador as well. Education Was Hope exists to provide for the education of those in desperate and difficult situations. And our goal for this podcast is to keep you, our dear listeners, supporters, and friends all over the world informed as to what is happening with our ministry down here in Ecuador. Because we can't do it without you. Absolutely not. Um, we get to continue today. We get to continue with our um, Suwannee students. Yeah. Second episode. Um, and these are some really special Suwannee students. Would you please hey. introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Yasmin Giselle Ali, but I go by Yaz, and I am a junior at Suwannee. My name is Mikaela James Thrower, but I go by Mickey, like the mouse, and I'm <laughs> also like, a junior at Suwannee. Yay, um, and I say they're really special. All Swanee students are special. <laughs> in the very, very, but not like the short bus kind of way, like in the, like, the <laughs> it's just wonderful to find kindred spirit sort of way. Mm. But Yaz and Mickey are part of something called the Posse Scholarship Program. Is that right? See. Okay. The Posse, we'd, I've always heard it referred to as the Posse Program. And when it was explained to me years and years and years ago by Dean Hartman, Eric Hartman, if you ever listen to this, <laughs> Shout out, miss you down here, wish you were back. Um, but the concept that students who are come from minority backgrounds, uh, that sending them to universities like Sewanee that have been pre- predominantly Caucasian for a really, really long time, and cr- you have incredible things to offer. And it's also, it is an incredible education, but it's really hard to do it alone. Mm. Like when you go into a different context, that's so very, very different than yours, which is, P.S., one of the things I have against the Peace Corps, (laughs) 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 because they send people out alone as Mm -hmm. opposed to in community. And the whole posse program, I love the Peace Corps, don't get me wrong. We love you, Jamie. (laughs) We're praying for you. (laughs) One of our interns this last summer is now in Senegal. Um, But... The, the concept of the Posse program is that there's a group of 10 of you every year, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that come from the Washington, D.C. area, greater area, and the idea of that you get to you get to be at Sewanee, but in a cohort of people that get you, mm-hmm. that understand you, that understand where you come from and what the unique challenges are coming from a minority population into a place like Sewanee. Have I done that justice that was yeah, so good, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> that was i think one thing i would add is is dc maryland virginia and mm-hmm. then a part of the training is meeting a year before we go to school so mm-hmm. we really mm-hmm. get to connect before mm-hmm. i mean yeah. ours is cut short because of you know covid <laughs> but COVID. we still it actually like pushed us to be yeah. closer even more once we got on campus mm-hmm. and you guys um you have your cohort, their posse cohorts above you and their yes. posse po- cohorts below you. Yeah. But this concept that when you're with people who get you and understand you, it makes it that much easier mm-hmm. to um, to take advantage of the resources that are being mm-hmm. offered around you. Those who of us who... Um, okay, so to anything else you want to say? Um, like you said, there's like... 
there will always be 40 posse students on campus mm-hmm. um, at a time because there's 10 in each senior, junior, sophomore, freshman. Um, and it works as like a family. And then you have a mentor on campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Miss B. Love you, Miss B. We miss you. But now we also Barbara have... Barbara Banks, Miss B? Yes, yeah. Miss B. A huge oh, shout out! Huge shout out! Love you, love you, Miss B. We all love you. Yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, she left. But now we have Wallace, who is even better. He's he's hilarious. He's a late chaplain we in school. We love Wallace. Um, so we have like from freshman to sophomore year, you have like group meetings that are like mm-hmm. mandatory that you have to go to. So you're going to see each other like every once a week yeah. but like because we're all we usually become friends like <laughs> it's just like okay we're heading to the posse meeting together after mm-hmm. we just came from dinner so it's <laughs> yeah. like a it's a good routine of like having that community and then mm-hmm. it's people from home so like mm-hmm. Mickey is like my piece of DC when I met <laughs> in Tennessee <laughs> which yeah. is like two totally different places yeah and you guys like hang out in DC as well yeah, pretty much. Breaks. She's pretty much pretty much gone all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is cool though. She does like amazing internships like outside of DC, which is cool. Nice, nice. Okay, so what um, what made you come on the Ecuador spring break? Well, I decided to come because honestly, I just didn't want to waste my spring break, and I didn't. I wanted to do something meaningful, and I love the opportunity to meet new people and love new people and learn more about myself in a new space, and I felt like Ecuador was the place to do that. I've also never been out of the country, and so I was like, oh, this looks like a perfect opportunity to not only um, do something I've never done before, but explore a part of myself that I've never met. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And have you found any part of yourself? For sure, a hundred percent. How do you? How would you describe that? Um, well, I, I want to say I'm Muslim, and I know that this is like an, a Christian organization. And so, when I don't really, other than Yaz, honestly, like I don't really have a lot of like super religious friends or really just friends that I talk about God with. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I feel extremely comfortable talking about my religion in this space and in mm-hmm. this kind of cohort that I came to Ecuador with, which is something really special that I didn't think I would find. I know that, like, I struggle a lot because I only eat halal and, like, or I try my best to only eat halal. <laughs> and, like, we pray all the time, every day. Like, so it's difficult to have conversations with people who don't necessarily share those beliefs, but who still have strong beliefs, like, who still really strongly believe in God and mm-hmm. really strongly trust and, mm-hmm. and, and know God. And I think it's really special to be in a space where there are all these people with all these different faith backgrounds and to still feel just as valued and just as loved mm-hmm. and to know that the people around you know that you love God, you know, mm-hmm. and to not doubt that because I'm Muslim, like, my relationship with God isn't as strong as mm-hmm. a Christian's relationship with God or mm-hmm. something like that. I think that's really beautiful. And mm-hmm. I thank Ecuador for giving me that. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, as we have looked at, Jorjito and I joke um, sometimes, and this is, this could, I'm just going to warn our listeners that we're going to start talking about race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because North Americans, we get like all like <gasps> about that. And in Ecuador, race is a very different thing. And mm-hmm. people just talk about race. And the color of your skin yep. is obvious. And everyone <laughs> talks about it. And yeah. it's not that racism doesn't exist here. It exists here in a different way. Yeah. Um, and, I, and Ecuador has taught me some lessons about being the minority 
You know, I, I, there are many, many places that I go that I am the only person with white skin, and I forget that I look different than everybody else. Um, and then I'm in situations where I'm like, oh, I look different, and I'm, uh, I'm not in a safe place. Like, it's, like, this isn't a good thing. Um, there are other times that I'm in a different different place. I want to say, like, within some of our ministry sites that there'll be, like, deference because of the color of my skin, which doesn't make sense to me either. So, like, I, I feel like I have a little bit of experience on both sides of that paradigm. I'm wondering what you guys, um, coming from coming from your background in the larger D.C. area, not mm-hmm. just D.C., Maryland, mm-hmm. Virginia, <laughs> and then going to Suwannee, which is predominantly Caucasian, mm-hmm. and then coming here, which is a different minority altogether, although we certainly have Afro-Ecuadorians. Mm-hmm. So, like, just what has that been like? Give, give us some, <laughs> some handles. Uh, I don't know how I can explain this in less than 15 minutes. Uh, um, so growing up, I've come from multiple different cultures. My dad is from Somalia. He was born and raised there, left um, because of the Civil War. Um, and then my mom was born in D.C., but her family's from Jamaica. So I've always had, like, this multicultural, like, not even just essence, but, like, my family is just, like, everyone looks like different shades of black, which is so beautiful. Like, my dad is very dark-skinned. My mom is the same complexion as me. Me and all of my sisters are different skin complexions. So living in D.C., you see that a lot, too. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of felt like we felt like the majority just a little bit in D.C. because, like, mm-hmm. I went to an all-black school, mm-hmm. even though, like, when you—I mean, it is called Chocolate City. Well, at one point <laughs> in time, D.C. was called Chocolate City, and— it, Then kind of, like, having to, like, go to Swan—not having to go, but deciding to go to Swanee and then that be completely different. And then during a pandemic where everyone had a mask on, so you can't tell if someone's smiling at you or they're, like, gritting at you. So it was, like, (laughs) very difficult to, like, find my place. And most definitely that's why I really, like, called on my posse to be with them and, like, have that comfort with them because it was totally different. Um, But it was really hard. It was my first time going to classes with um, being in the same classroom as white students, having majority white professors, having honestly like a white person teach me about African history or teach me about a topic that is predominantly about me or like I had a class on like poverty and inequality and of course that teacher did an amazing job but it's it's kind of hard when like these class concepts are brought in an academic form but then I've lived through them so you're trying to tell me I feel like I never filled the test, but mm-hmm. say if I filled the test because I didn't know the terminology, but I've lived through the experiences mm-hmm. of like welfare or mm-hmm. having to make sure that we're saving up enough money for like to get school supplies next school year and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's hard to kind of like wrap my mind around that concept. And I think that we talked a lot about this, like how academics can kind of be dangerous in that point of view when you're trying to like add an academic term to every single experience. Mm-hmm. But some things can only be and experience Mm -hmm. and it's kind of hard when like someone is trying to tell you about your own history but then like you don't feel represented in that space Mm -hmm. and being the only black woman at that in the classroom Mm -hmm. is like extremely hard trying to explain that so you're like an activist and then a (laughs) teacher and then a student all in one like 50 minute classroom Mm -hmm. and it's it's quite difficult very quite difficult yeah for sure has there been anything in the last 10 days, last week, you guys have been here that you have, have seen that that you feel like you've learned something 
And what and this flip side of that is what do you feel like you could teach better than mm. than we're doing currently? I think um I'm sorry, I want to make sure that I'm coming across the way that I want to. But I've had, like, a, a different experience than Yaz in terms of I went to a predominantly white high school. Mm-hmm. And so, and I was on a scholarship at that high school. And before that, I went to predominantly black schools. And so, like, I kind of got that culture shock a little early. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that I struggled a lot with in high school and that, honestly, I'm, like, just starting to come to terms with now is that, like... Hurt people hurt people, (laughs) you know? And I know we say that all the time, and it's, like, a very common thing. But, like, it's so true. And when I was talking with... Can I I mention people? Yeah. yeah. When I was talking with Willie, who was, like, our trip leader, like, he was telling me, like... I was kind of talking to him about Swanee and, like, what kind of... What a student of color faces on a daily basis at Swanee. And he was saying to me that, like the finger that has to point is very tired, Hmm. you know? And, like, the finger that has to point at someone else to feel better is exhausted. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, like, sure, all of these people around us have to point at us and, like, look at us to feel better about themselves or to, like, feel safe or included or, like, they belonged in an environment, but all that we have to do is look up and see God. Hmm. And I think that's so beautiful. And I, like, never forget that he said that to me, Hmm. like, ever. And I think I want to to remind myself and to remind the people around me that, like, even if you don't believe in God, that there is nothing to be gained from pointing fingers and mm-hmm. there's nothing to be gained from watching others point fingers, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that that's been, like, I, like, haven't always been, like, as... Two, st- two feet in in my faith and, like, my relationship with God. But once I did, I felt more comfortable with being who I am and looking the way that I look because I know that God created me the way that I am for a reason and for whatever purpose he has for me to serve his kingdom. So I think that that had helped me a lot. And then understanding that, like, I don't always have to look at myself as a black woman, but I can find more comfort in, in seeing myself as a child of God. Mm-hmm. And we're all children of God without looking at our own selves and our skin complexion mm-hmm. because God is looking at us from within and not from without. And I think mm-hmm. that that really saved me in being in a space where people didn't look like me. Um, but from Ecuador, I think what, what I learned, like I think probably the biggest word for this trip is love. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen so much love in one country. <laughs> and I've traveled, I've been to Brazil, I've been to Ghana, I've been to um, Mexico, Jamaica, (laughs) and I've been to so many, I've done a whole bunch of service projects, but like out of all the countries that I've been to, I've never seen so much love, like even from the greeting of kissing on the cheek (laughs) and the hug and like the kids and and the families, like Mm -hmm. I remember seeing like um, Cameron and saying I love you to Willie and Caroline when they left our debrief and I'm like, wow, she just said I love you to them, like (laughs) it was nothing and I feel like in America isn't like, like, Mm. like said very easily, like Mickey Mm. actually was like, one of the first friends I've ever had that, like, told me that they really loved me, like, out of, like, nowhere. And she taught me how to, like, really show love. And then to see that here, it felt like a place where I could thrive because mm-hmm. I feel like in North America, it, it isn't always presented that way. It's a little mm-hmm. bit—Caroline um, was talking about, like, how there's, like, places that are, like, cold and there are places that are, like, mm-hmm. warm and 
and mm-hmm. cold, like and stuff is like cold-hearted, oh, yeah, cold, hearted. Culture. cold yeah. culture. There and we cold, go. Cold climate culture. Yeah, yeah. Climate but cultures. Ecuador is like caliente, like, it's <laughs> <laughs> and I love that because I feel like like that is what like kind of saves grace in a sense mm-hmm. of like keeping people together. And yeah. and I saw that in the education system as well. And I feel like we have more to learn from Ecuador when it comes to education than North America mm-hmm. has to like. Has to give. Has to give. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's very important. I feel like a lot of, when you come into a service project, you always think about what I can bring to the table rather than what can I, like, listen to, view, and mm-hmm. value, and then take away from the table and not just taken away from the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just want to clarify, you're you're talking about, in general, not necessarily the edu- the Ecuadorian educational yeah. system. Just in <laughs> general. There's some yeah. there's some challenges and almost um, definitely. Yeah, I mean, sure. there there's so I mean, I went to a public school, so <laughs> I know the troubles of like yeah. a public school on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. But like, at least the teachers are like, you can give your teacher a hug. Like yeah. I saw that. Like yeah. I, your teacher can tell you that they love you, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if like we don't have as many books and pencils that we need in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I didn't get that in my education mm-hmm. system in North America. That, if that's fascinating. I've never considered that. But awesome. Keep going. Yes, Mickey, sorry. <laughs> no, and I was just going to say, if I can add to that. Actually, fun fact, I want to be a teacher. So yeah, that's what I said. This is her wow. yeah, This is my jam. <laughs> like, so I, like, a part of the reason that I wanted to come on this trip is just because I wanted to see what education looked like in another part of the world. And I think the reason that I want to be a teacher is because, as I was mentioning earlier, like, I went to public school and I went to private school. And I feel like... While I was in private school, I was, or while I was in public school, I was taught that I, like, needed a job. You know, like, Mm -hmm. you're you're doing this, you're going to do this, 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 and you're going to get a job. And when I went to private school, I was taught to look for a career, Hmm. you know, and to look for something that I was going to love for the rest of my life. And I feel like it sucked that I had to change school systems to feel like my education mattered and to feel like what I did with the rest of my life mattered, Hmm. you know. And I want to work in public schools because I don't want kids to think that, just because I am where I am, which has nothing to do with how smart I am, which has nothing to do with how talented I am, which has nothing to do with how much, what I can offer the world. I don't want them to feel like they can't have high expectations for themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and for their futures. Or for the world. Exactly. And uh, let me get off my soapbox. But I think... Just as Laz was saying, like, I I want to, I feel like North America can learn that there is love in the classroom. And, like, I feel like you said that the buzzword is not the right word, but the the buzzword for this trip is love. Like, Mm. I feel like the, the main thing that I'm learning when I'm interacting with students is that the relationship is so important, Mm -hmm. right? Because, like, Mm -hmm. if I'm not... If I don't like you as a person, I'm not going to come to class. <laughs> I'm not going to do my homework. I don't care. <laughs> but if I love you and I know that you love me and I know that you have high expectations and high hopes for what I can do and what my future holds, mm-hmm. then I'm going to work harder. Right. And I think that North America has to learn that love exists in classrooms, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. And I think also really quickly, like when I was, so I learned about this. Well, I got offered to come on this trip as a student leader by Lauren Goodpaster. We, we love, love you so much, Mama Lauren. We love you so much. And she told me while I was in Ghana, like I hadn't even gone to the states yet before I was already planning my next trip, which was 
God all by himself. And <laughs> I was so excited and, and I was really like, you know, worried because like, oh, I have to like lead it, but then also experience it at the same mm-hmm. time, which was actually not as hard at all. Um, Caroline, yeah, she did. <laughs> Caroline really helped a lot. And like having my other um, student leader, Olivia, like we were able to handle the trip very well together. Um, but I say all that to say was that like, when I was in Ghana, a lot of the things that I saw was like, the kids have verses of the day. They had God mm-hmm. in the classroom. And I think that what Mickey was saying that like, you can, some people to make them feel better, you can, you know, substitute the word love for God if you need to, or universe or, universe or source. But honestly, like when I saw God in the classroom, there was way more respect in the classroom. The kids are able to have their minds more open and understand each and every situation daily and like they were learning bible verses early on which could help them in the future and it just meant so much to me to see that in the classroom and I'm not saying that America North America has to like you know switch it up real quick but like (laughs) I know that like either God or whatever you want to use his name as it has to be in the classroom for there to be an open space and a place of love to for that child to thrive, for that adult to thrive. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. just start with the children. Like I need it at Swanee. Like mm-hmm. I need I need someone to be like, what was your favorite verse of the day? Instead of, you know, just talking about it by myself. And it doesn't have to be like from the Bible. It could be from the Quran. It could be from the Torah. It could be from whatever source that you need. But I realized like how much that set my foot on the right path once I was able to start my day and end my day that way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if that was presented more in the classroom, then that would be, I mean, everyone would pretty much thrive. I think we have two or three more podcasts that we should do. (laughs) There's some great (laughs) topics to drill down on. Ladies, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming to Ecuador. Thanks for pouring into this program. Thanks for pouring into the students at Diosa More and in Kalakali. And thanks for sharing your time with us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to our HopeCast. If you want to join the mission or know more about it, please visit our webpage, www.educationequalshope.org, or check our YouTube channel and Instagram with the same name.